Welcome back to the show. As always, very glad that you're here. I had a very interesting morning today. I woke up much earlier than I normally do, about 4.30 a.m. Well, why, Chris? Why'd you wake up so early? Great question. I was inspired. I was possessed by the muse, the creative spirit. I'll stop being weird. I had way too many ideas for this podcast, very creative things that I just couldn't wait to do. So I rolled out of bed. That's not true. I sprang out of bed. Very excited. And I made myself a nice warm cup of coffee. And I went downstairs to my office, my little studio, if you will. And I turned on my laptop, which happens to be my work laptop. And I opened it up and Slack, my messaging software for work, was logged out. And I figured, okay, well, I know I had a update that I've been ignoring for a while. So laptop shut down overnight, ran the update. No problem. I'll just log back into Slack. Except when I tried to log in, it didn't work. And I got a message saying I was deactivated. You probably know where this is going. So I went to my email, feeling my heart sink and my stomach drop to the ground. And sure enough, I had an email in there from my leadership saying, unfortunately, we are letting you go. And I had a calendar invite for 15 minutes at 9.45 a.m. with HR. The good news was it wasn't because of anything that I did or did not do. It wasn't because of lack of performance. It was simply because there was a company restructuring. And like many of us in tech, it hit me. Here's the thing. Losing my job is one of the biggest fears that I've dealt with in my life. And like most fears, it's based in a history of what, I, I mean, this is an aggressive word. I, I hesitate to use it sometimes, but a history of trauma. And I'm really thankful that over the past few years, I have worked on digging into these types of fears and these types of traumas through therapy and through a program I'm a part of called Al-Anon. It's a 12-step program, a sister program of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's for families and friends affected by the disease of alcohol. And through these, these groups and this work, I've also read a lot of literature, all to help myself with a number of different challenges that I've faced. And one of those challenges is the, the fear that I have and the anxiety and the feelings of insecurity and imposter syndrome when it comes to my career. Okay. Well, why I'll take you back to when I was about eight or nine years old, this is 2000, 2001 ish. And what happened is that we were, I grew up in Utah. This is a suburb of, of Salt Lake city. And one day my dad was let go from his job. And the way that I understand it was they, you know, they had to make cuts like so many businesses do, unfortunately. And his leadership was confident, like, Hey, Chuck, 
you've got great skills. You've, you've done really well here. You have good experience. You should have no problem finding a new job. The problem was, as my dad found after he polished his resume and he went back in the market, started taking interviews, at least the ones that accepted him, he found pretty quickly that he was behind where the market was. He had only had a technical degree. And although he had great experience and, and a lot of success in his role, he was getting overlooked by folks that were coming out of universities and had bachelor's degrees, some with master's degrees. And as you can imagine, that was pretty frustrating. But my dad being the very strong, driven, resilient man that he is, he continued trying to, to work on interviews and get a new job. But he also saw this as an opportunity to follow a passion that he has. One of his biggest passions for as long as I've known my dad, so my entire life, has been golf. And what he did is he used his computer skills to create software and used his computer and a camera to track golf swings and to understand and train and analyze everybody's golf swing so they can get better at golf. This is pretty commonplace today. I don't know how common it was back then, but my dad was confident that he had something special and he would go to the golf course, spending hours on end with his laptop and his camera and his software and recording and learning about all these swings and taking in the data. And eventually he put that information down on DVDs for swing lessons that you can consume at home and practice your own golf skills. Great. This is awesome. Chasing his passion, going for it. But just like the reason he lost his job, well, not the reason he lost his job, similar to why he had a hard time finding a new job was that he didn't have the credentials that people had looked for in the market, in the golf consumer market when they think about buying products. He didn't have a PGA certification. He didn't have a college education in similar field. He was just some guy who has a passion for golf and created this program and put it on DVD. The challenge here was, as you can imagine, trying to build a business, you need to have revenue. And in this case, he spent a lot of money and time resources on developing the product, which is these DVDs that were now stacked higher than me at that point in his office. As, as I remember it, they were towers that went to the ceiling and 10 foot ceilings back then might as well have been 50 foot walls as a eight or nine year old kid. So nobody bought these DVDs and dad's dream, uh, dream rather went down the drain. It was a very difficult time for the family. And as time wore on, it got more difficult. There was a lot of things happening. 9-11 at that time, the country was going through a lot of shakeups, a difficult time. We had a lot of family and friend emergencies and, and traumatic events happen, which I can go into on another podcast potentially. And coupled with that, now my dad has lost his job and sunk a lot of time and money into a passion that didn't yield any fruit. And so slowly things started going further and further south. And I remember at this time, my, my mom, God bless her. She was the same woman she is today, optimistic, positive, always seeing the sunny side of things. And to get my mind off of the worries of the household and the stress and anxiety, she would often invite me to go 
do things that we enjoy, go see movies, go out to grab some food, anything that, that she could do to honestly, I think get both of our minds off of what was happening. And I remember one night we were coming home, it was dark and we turned the corner to my street and there were flashing lights and immediately my mom stopped the car and I could feel this frantic energy, this anxious energy. And she was like, Oh, you know, let's go. Why don't we go park up at the church? We'll turn around and go park at the church. And as a kid, I'm, I'm very confused. I don't know why we're doing this, but it's my mom. She's got my best interest at heart. Like, yeah, we're going to go to the church. Okay. We park the car in the church up the hill. We walk slowly, sneakily back to our street, like thieves in the night. We pause before we turn on the street. We look around the corner and realize whatever those flashing lights were, they're not there anymore. And we walked on home. Later on, what I realized and found out, and this, I, I don't know if this, how long, how long after this was, but eventually I learned, well, those flashing lights were tow trucks and they were towing my dad's truck out of the, out of the driveway. It was repossessed. Couldn't afford to pay the, the payments. And my mom knew that if she turned that corner and she pulled in, they, they found out that that was her car and we hadn't been paying the bills for the car either, that that would have been taken away. So she did what she in the moment thought was best. And, and she had to protect the one thing that we had that was kind of keeping us financially alive at that point, because both my parents at this time were using that car. Now the only car we have to drive from odd job to odd job. My mom was still working her day job and on weekends and sometimes after work, she would go and take me sometimes and she would clean friends and co-workers houses. And just like normal, my mom did it with as much of a smile and a positive attitude as she could. I don't know how much of it was her trying to protect me. Maybe it was a little bit of her trying to keep herself in positive spirits. It's probably both, but she did a damn good job because my memories of going to those homes with her when she was cleaning were honestly positive. I would just sit there and usually those homes were a lot bigger and nicer than, than our house. And they'd had play playrooms and video games and air hockey, different, different things, movies I could watch. I remember one house had a lot of animals there, cats and dogs. And it was a lot of fun. I could play with them and hang out in the backyard. And the backyard was this spacious, beautiful yard with a stream that ran through it. It was in the forest. I love camping growing up and fishing. So it kind of felt like I was in the mountains it was great. I have nothing but positive memories from those times. But what I didn't know, because I was protected from it, was how dire our financial situation was. And the reason we were at these homes is because my mom was cleaning them because we needed to make more money. I also remember, ironically, going back to my dad's old office building at night and moving from office to office, cubicle, cubicle to cubicle, emptying the trash into trash bags, wiping down the desks, sanitizing things, doing what we had to do, what opportunity we could, we could take to, to make money to keep us afloat. And again, positive experience for the most part. I thought it was fun to go from office to office. I, I believe my dad would, you know, say, Hey, this is so-and-so's room. Like, look at how cool this is. And everyone had like these little, I don't know, tchotchkes, little things on their desks. And I thought they were cool. And sometimes they'd have little bowls of candy or whatever. And I'd have like M&Ms. Again, positive experiences overall. And to make it better, that was the first time I learned how to 
kind of drive a car because when we, when we were done emptying out the trashes and the big trash bags, we'd throw those trash bags into the car. And then I'd sit on my dad's lap and he'd let me steer the car to the back of the, the parking lot where the dumpster was. And we'd dump them and call it a night. As you can probably tell things turned out fine. <laughs> we, my dad eventually found a job and it just so happened he found a job in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. He, we were able to move the family to Seattle. What I come to find out later is that that was one of my dad's dreams. He, he grew up, he had a family member that lived in Seattle. And so he came up here and fished in the Puget Sound off of one of the docks. And it was a fond memory he had. And he always had this thought in the back of his head that he might retire here someday. So this was a great opportunity all around. And, and frankly, I look back on that time and moving to Seattle was, was one of the biggest positive changes in my trajectory. I didn't know at the time, but now I look back and I'm really glad that it worked out the way it did. That said, as you can imagine, I have a lot of fear around losing my job. And when I first started jumping into my career in the workforce, I I always felt insecure. I always felt like I wasn't doing enough. I always felt like, and I still struggle with this, I needed to work harder and longer than anybody else. And I, and I never asked for help because I had to look as competent as possible and I just had to grind. And the nice thing about that, it was a enabling factor is that it's kind of how our culture operates. Pull up your bootstraps and get after it. If, you, if you're not super skilled at something, just work harder, work, outwork anybody else, and, and you'll be successful. And then what, what does success generally mean? I'm not saying everybody, but generally in our, in our culture and society, money, power, reputation. And even though I was insecure, and actually because I was insecure, and because I felt like an imposter, and because I had this subconscious fear of losing my job, I grinded myself to the bone and I didn't ask for help. And had I asked for help, at least in my first couple jobs out of college, it would have saved me so many headaches. I, I had nights where it would be 15 plus hour nights or days because mistakes were made and I didn't ask for help. And after the mistakes were made, I would just smile and say, Nope, I got it. I'll fix it. Learning opportunity. Great. And you might say, what's wrong with that, Chris? It's, it's a work ethic. You're not wrong. I, I definitely, I worked hard. I think that's great. I have a lot of um, respect for work. Over time, working with my therapist and the other, the other work I've done on myself, I've been able to dive into my background, dive into these stories and have a better understanding of where my fear, my fear stems from. And as I've unpacked that, I realized that that insecurity, that feeling of uh, anxiety and worry and concern about my reputation, about how I'm just not doing enough, I'm not good enough, the constant fear that I'm going to get laid off unless I do everything in my power and some to prove why I deserve to be here, why I'm valuable. What I've learned is a few things. I and we as humans are valuable regardless of what we do. We are inherently valuable. I am inherently valuable. 
my value isn't determined on how much work I get done or how successful I am at my job. I can take pride in my job. I can work hard. I think that's all great, but it doesn't define my value. I also realized and and learned that digging into my fear, I was encouraged to go further. What would happen if I lost my job? Well, I'd, what if I, worst case scenario, what if I lost my job and I lost everything? Do I think that's going to happen? Well, no, I'm really grateful and, and thankful that I have such a wonderful support network, lots of people who love me, transferable skills in a career that is for the most part, always open to hiring. I'm confident that if I did lose my job, I would be able to find a new one. And if worse comes to worst, my wife and I have built a life where we would be able to support ourselves. Thankfully, we have a support network that could be there to help us out if need be. So what am I afraid of? Well, when I looked at it that way and I've spent a lot of time, I mean, three years, but consistently being aware of those types of thoughts, those fears, those emotions, I realized that there's not much to, to fear really. I know I'd be okay. I'm confident of that. And this morning I look back on my day and I look back on how I handled it. What I did and what I'm really, I'm really, I'm proud of myself for getting through this the way I did. I let myself feel the emotions and there was a lot of negative ones. Old me, my default would have been do not show negative emotions. I, I, if they're quote unquote negative sadness, anger, fear, anxiety, well, you don't talk about those. Can't be vulnerable with that. Got to stuff that under the rug and put a smile on and focus on the positive. What's the positive? It's all, everything's good. Sometimes things aren't good. Losing one's job is not, it's not good. It's not a fun experience. And so this morning I took a different route. I allowed myself to feel those negative emotions. I, I, instead of getting up and another default is trying to grip the steering wheel and just, okay, I got to figure it out. Step away from my laptop and like, let's go. Got to go job hunt, search, just grind until I fix this problem. No new way of thinking paused. I actually sat in my, in my office chair and I closed my eyes and I just almost like a meditation. I just sat there and I was present and I allowed those feelings, those negative feelings. The first one was confusion, shock. Then it turned into anger, frustration, a little bit of resentment. I wanted to point the finger and first at, at the powers that be of the company and then the economy and then myself and Eventually those feelings went by and then, then they turned into sadness and I allowed that to happen. I allowed myself to tear up. I allowed myself to express that. And I was able to do that because one of the big things I've learned is that feelings aren't facts. Emotions are not infinite. Just like the clouds in the sky. I'm sure we've all heard this analogy. They come and they go and we can choose to, to, I can choose to, be enveloped by these emotions or these feelings sink into them and be, and be in a pit of despair or I can ignore them and try to stuff them and put on a smile and move forward as if nothing's wrong. We know how that turns out. It's going to come up eventually. 
probably worse than it would be in, in the moment. But instead, I allowed myself to be in the belly of the whale, if we're using like a Pinocchio reference, be in that chaos, that darkness, the, the dangerous dark forest without a compass and without a light to guide me. It's a scary place. But this time I allowed those feelings to come. I, I reminded myself that those feelings aren't facts. And then another big step, as opposed to what I've done in the past with, with big challenges, is I actually reached out and I asked for help. I went to the loved ones and the people I trust in my, in my network and I talked through my, my thoughts and my emotions with them. What's amazing is that I, I got so much encouraging, kind, thoughtful, and loving support from people around me. And quite a bit of that came from folks that I'm not, I'm not as close with or haven't known for as long of a time. And that was such a powerful experience is to just know, I just felt, I felt held. I felt like I wasn't alone. Like there were people there that were happy to support me. And that was such a empowering feeling. I'm so grateful for that and for those people. And if people, if you, if you are listening to this, you know who you are. And I really, I really appreciate you. And I love you so much for just who you are, but also you, you being there for me is extremely important to me and valuable. So I look back and I'm really proud of how I handled things. And I truly believe this, that every experience in life is an opportunity for learning and growth especially the difficult, the challenging times, the times that you feel like you're in that meta metaphorical dark forest with no direction and no, no idea how you got there or how to get out. And my learning experience today is that number one, I have the tools to feel my emotions, but not get sucked into them to be mindful of the thoughts and those feelings and realize that they aren't true. How do I know it's not true that I, I, I'm not invaluable at work or that because I asked, Hey, is there anything I could have done differently? No, you're a value to the team. This is unfortunate circumstances. We're sorry. It's a really hard conversation to do. Wishing you all the best. Great. My old thoughts would have told me I'm not good enough. I'm going to get fired because I shouldn't be here. I'm not doing enough. And yet I've never, I've never been on a performance plan. I've never been told explicitly that I'm not doing enough. All those were thoughts and, and feelings that I was taking as reality and truth. And this time I didn't. And not only that, but after I felt those emotions and I was able to get the facts from the situation, I had that call at 945. I gave myself the grace. I easily could have just said, all right, go time. Let's go find a job put out my feelers, start looking, start applying. And that would have been fine, but I know myself and that's typically what I do, right? I grip the steering wheel. I fix it. I figure it out. And today I said, you know what? No, I'm going to do something that's a little bit different. And I am going to take a breather and do something that brings me joy today. And I did. It was a sunny, beautiful day. I got outside. I took a day to, to care for me because I know I am 
worth it. And I also now know how much more resilient I am, even more than I'd thought previously, how much courage I have to literally not, not just face, but like go through one of my biggest fears. And one of the most empowering parts of this experience is that after I got through those emotions and realized, wow, the reality of this situation, I was able to look around, feel my feet on the ground and realize, oh, wow, everything's pretty much the same. I just don't have a job now. I'm not dead. Things aren't falling apart. I'm not losing everything. At least right now in the present moment, I'm doing great. I've got my health. I've got my loved ones. I've got a great support network. I can ask for the help. I have transferable skills and I'm confident everything is going to be fine. And right now it is. And when the time is right and I'm ready, I'll take that next step. As always, I really appreciate you listening. And the reason that I do these, I, if I'm being completely open, when I started this, I, I wanted to be vulnerable. I was excited to do that, share my authentic feelings and thoughts, emotions. And as they started being published and people listened to them, I started getting pretty fearful. I thought maybe I'm sharing too much information. Maybe, maybe this is not for me. I'm being too vulnerable. Again, I think these are a lot of thoughts that I'm making up. They might not be reality because all I've heard from people is the very positive feedback, which is great. But the reason I do this is because, and, and why I feel called to share this kind of a story and be vulnerable is because my hope is that somebody out there will take something away from this. Maybe feel like if they've gone through or they're going through similar situations that they feel they're not alone because I know how powerful it is when other people in my life have been open, have been real and shared their true experiences vulnerably because this can be a really lonely world and hearing other people talk about their stories of things that they're going through that I know I'm going through have helped me tremendously. And so I hope that there's even just one person out there that can take something positive away from this. And as always, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the next one.